and I want to introduce them both. I have a little bit of a bio here. And uh, yeah, so Lauren, uh, before coming to NYC, who's our interviewer, thanks Lauren. And she's also part of our church. So we're very thankful for that. And uh, so before coming to NYC, Lauren made three filters through which she wanted to live her life. Number one, learn languages. Number two, tell others about Jesus. And number three, help others to discover and achieve their dreams. Based on those filters, she came to NYC to do a master's in international educational development at Columbia University in 2014. While there, she got involved with a ministry to international students called Bridges International. Since graduating, she has been working with Bridges, welcoming students to the city and connecting them more closely with Jesus. One of the friends she met through Bridges who inspired her the most is today's interviewee, Jihei. And Lauren together have hosted many life groups in their home and have had the joy of continu continuing to connect people to Jesus even after students leave university. So that is Lauren. She's also uh, currently the director of uh, Bridges International New York City. She humbly did not put it on the bio, but I had to mention it. Uh, she obviously started as staff and then eventually became the director. So it's, it's a privilege to have her here as an interviewer. So uh, now we have Jihei J. Cha, who was born in Seoul, South Korea. Uh, she was educated in the Philippines, France, and the United States, and has worked in Kenya and South Sudan. Jay considers herself as a global citizen. She always enjoys making connections with people from all over the world. Jay earned a doctorate in international educational development, which I believe is the same master's that Lauren had, but is just on a higher level, a PhD level, so <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> yeah. Um, He's better than me, it's okay. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, Jay earned a doctorate in international educational development with a concentration on refugee education at a teacher's college, Columbia University in New York City, where she served as a student leader with Bridges International. She deeply cherishes hosting international students, having life-giving conversations with friends and learning from them. Jay's motto is to cultivate a humble, teachable heart, the willingness to learn and learn and relearn. Currently, she is a postdoctoral research scholar at Arizona State University's Mary Lou Fulton Teachers College, and works on a multi-year collaborative project with 10 higher education institutions across Africa, the Middle East, and Central America. This fall, she will become a full-time professor at George Washington University. So that is Jay for everyone. And now I'm gonna give uh, the baton to Lauren to lead us into this exciting interview. Yes, thank you, Piero. Um, welcome, Jay. Good to see you. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so would love to have you share parts of your story. I have a couple of questions. And um, then afterwards, those for those online, uh, we're going to have some debrief questions. But um, 
Jay, I would love for you to first share about your multicultural experience in Asia, Europe, Africa, um, and Africa as a South Korean. What are some of the things that you cherished, learned, and were challenged by? Great. First of all, I just had to mention this, that thank God I have COVID right now. So I won't be, I wasn't able to go to the church service, which was, which made it possible for me to be here. So thankful for, for that. Oh, I'm, I'm, I don't, I hope I'm not in a huge TV screen for some of you. It's a little, I'll step back a little because that will be a little overwhelming, but um, Um, what, there are so many things I cherished being in a multicultural environment. Um, I, can you hear me okay? Because my connection's a little unstable. Yeah, it's fine. Um, then I didn't really realize living in the Philippines without knowing the language at first, without knowing the culture, uh, we looked all, all, the diff, uh, all different. Going to school in a completely new environment was challenging at first. Uh, with different uh, linguistic and cultural backgrounds. But now uh, that I was, you know, when I moved to New York, more and more, I realized that that was such an important part of my life, being like thrown in a completely uh, new environment and making friends. So for me, like, um, one of the things that Lauren and I resonate the most are that we love learning languages and listening to stories and sharing stories. So I think through those experiences, we learn to respect any culture. Um, Lauren also is the one that I can, we live together. So I can say for sure is that without judgment, how do you interact with people from different uh, religious, cultural, and any, you know, like linguistic, whatever background, how do you really interact with them without giving them that look that, oh, we're different. Uh, and because we're different, I cannot really understand you. Uh, so those uh, little moments in life really enabled me to um, it's a big word, global citizen, but sometimes people call me a third culture kid, four culture kid, whatever kid it is, but really connect with people easily. Um, and that um, made me also, uh, even if they call me a white person in Africa, uh, really click with um, kids, older people, whoever uh, in, in my research and field work as well. So um, I, I'm really grateful for that. Um, and I think that flourished during my time in New York because New York, everyone's in New York here, New York City Church. Um, New York is the place where you can taste what it is like uh, to be living in a kingdom of God because we're all from different places. Yeah, so that's like, I don't know if that made sense, but yeah, that was something that I really deeply cherish uh, from my background. Okay, um, Jay, while you were at Teachers College and probably before going there, um, you had an interest in, in people that were moved around the world. Can you maybe define what, it, what a refugee is and then you know, talk a little bit about what drew you to being ref, uh, working with refugees? Sure, I do have a few slides about refugees, but I'll share that with you um, uh, in, in one minute. But just to give you a background of where I've been through, so I studied international relations, um, thinking I wanna be a diplomat or work for a U UN. 
And I did work for um, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and United Nations uh, prior to coming to Teachers College. Uh, however, I realized through those experiences that, you know, like people like diplomats, no offense to diplomats and UN workers, but I thought they were working towards more um, interest of other people or national interests, you know, like have goodwill or common good. Uh, but more and more, I am deeply, you know, rooted in that um, in that space. I realized that people were actually fighting for their own self-interest. You know, they wanted their own fame, they wanted their own uh, wealth, and um, they wanted stability in life, and that's why they were there. So I felt very discouraged to be in that uh, space. So I uh, look for other opportunities, uh, and that's when, thank thankfully, through uh, my experience at the ministry, I met the foreign minister uh, of South Sudan. And through our conversations, like it was just a three-day conversation, but I realized that, I didn't even realize that South Sudan was a country, you know, like an independent country. I didn't know where it was located. I didn't know what are the, some of the things that uh, people were going through. So I came home, looked up and Googled and found out that it's it was considered the number one fragile state. Um, in 2011, uh, and I got interested, um, but it was so um, interesting because when I was working at UN, people will joke around that if you make a mistake, they will say, um, your next station is South Sudan, so you can go and struggle, right? So I, I was struck by those jokes because I said, you shouldn't be saying those things. You should as a Christian, uh, for sure, like you should be volunteering to actually go and serve in those states. So I would always raise up my hand and tell my boss that I want to go. So send me to United, uh, to to UN in um, in South Sudan. So that's how I got interested, not knowing what the situation was. You know how fragile, how unstable the political and economic um, or social status was. Uh, was. But just to give you. Um, a brief, brief background. This isn't supposed to be an academic presentation, I know, but I just wanted to show you uh, where I worked and what I did, because you will wonder, like, what is a refugee education? What does, what is she doing? Uh, where it, where are the refugees coming from? So let me, if you allow me to, let me just quickly um, share my screen. Sorry if I'm making you boring on a Sunday afternoon. Hopefully uh, you will be entertained by some of the pictures. Um, so we hear from the news always every day that you know global displacement is a thing, right? I'm not sure if you're paying attention to the news, but if you see, watch carefully CNN or B, uh, BBC or any other news, you will uh, find out uh, that uh, we are currently witnessing record levels of displacement, highest since the Second World War. Um, about 80, I, I just looked up this morning just to give you an updated um, number, but we're, uh, we are having 89.3 million people who are forcibly displaced, meaning they had to leave their home, go to a different country or different state. They're like, uh, 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 uprooted, that's what we call. And unfortunately, the number is increasing as we talk right now. We, we all know the, the crisis in Ukraine, um, uh, Venezuelan refugees, and, and ongoing uh, 
um, conflicts that are causing uh, these forcibly displaced uh, populations to come. So what is a refugee? So forcibly displaced population is a bit different from what we call a refugee. So like, just to give you quick, quick answer to that is refugees are those who are seeking refuge, okay? Somewhere because they are uh, encountering um, fear from uh, persecution or war, violence or conflict. And, and refugees are usually they, uh, those who are crossing the border, their national border to find safety in another country. Okay, uh, so that's that's somehow different from asylum seekers who are not yet refugees uh, and uh, migrants or whatever um, other categories. Currently in the world, there are 27.1 million refugees. And I throw this number every, everywhere uh, and people are like, oh, 27.1 million, that's a lot. But just to give you a background, it's like the country, whole country of Germany. Turkey being uprooted, okay? It's very similar to the entire country. So we are in, across the world, there's so many, just countless refugees who are displaced. Unfortunately, majority of them are children and youth under the age of 18. And people um, currently also, the media is teeming with stories of refugees, like Ukrainian refugees um, traveling to Europe, right? But in reality, majority of them, 86% are in neighboring countries, already overstretched with their own political and economic um, instability. Um, some of the ha most uh, refugee hosting countries are like Kenya, um, Lebanon, uh, Jordan, Turkey, who are, uh, quote unquote, the global South. How many are they refugees? 20 to 25 years is an average, right? It was, it seems like for us, it was just yesterday when we were like, oh, Syria, war, refugees. It's already been what? Like almost like 10 years where like all these like um, uh, conflicts have been uh, there. The, uh, where I'm gonna introduce um, the refugee camp in Kenya, but it's been existing for over 30 years. So not knowing where they'll be returning home and maybe they are making home in displacement, in exile, right? This means that for some children, like they're spending their entire education cycle in displacement, right? From kindergarten to even high school, if there is university to universities. So I worked in Kenya in, a, in a, one of the largest um, refugee camps in, in the world it, called Kakuma may not be familiar to some of you, but it was established in uh, 1991 um, to welcome the then, like we call it lost boys of Sudan. So, but currently it's been home to um, over 700,000 people from different parts of Africa. So what do I do there? Just briefly, this is what I do. I have fun <laughs> interacting with people. Um, just looking at these pictures, you will see lovely faces. Um, you wouldn't even recognize that, you know, they are refugee because our iconic image of refugees are like poor, devastated, you know, like without shoes and like, you know, fetching water. But there are these like lovely faces. And if you see my picture on the left, you will see uh, uh, far left um, in the corner. Uh, on the top, you will see 
this represents like, I don't know how many countries. We have um, teachers from Congo, Ethiopia, South Sudan, Sudan, Uganda, um, Eritrea, and so on. So um, this is what I do. Yes, I go there every, I used to go there every twice a year, like twice a year and, you know, like once a year. Uh, and, but due to COVID, 2019 was the last time I was able to visit um, this refugee camp. So besides having fun, I know like even my doctoral advisors, like you're having too much fun in that camp. Um, <laughs> yes, um, I enjoy being there um, and interacting with people. And thankfully through my um, efforts in, in really reaching out to them and also my cultural, uh, multicultural background. So I also study, right? I research uh, what, it, what, it, what does it mean to be going to school in a refugee camp? You may um, have witnessed all these like pictures of um, children under the tree studying. And this is basically what, is, what I'm witnessing. And I study a lot of issues like identity, uh, a sense of belonging, schooling, school dropouts, uh, gender and sexual um, uh, violence and all these issues, which sometimes are very challenging because what, imagine yourself going to the field, listening to 20 people talk about their traumatic experience in one day, right? So sometimes it's very challenging, but I thought of it as my calling uh, to be a good listener and to be there for them. Um, so um, I do research about all sorts of like school related uh, experiences. But what I really wanted to tell you today, um, I really hate talking a lot in front of people and giving lectures, but please bear with me. I only have a few more slides and they're beautiful, I'm telling you. Um, so beyond research, I think something that I always um, cherished and always grappled with is as a Christian, what can what else can you do? I didn't want to just go there as a researcher and take advantage of their um, of their sources, right? They're willing to share their stories, but what can I do in return, right? Um, so just briefly, a few slides about what are some of my struggles and some of my uh, my attempts to be really giving back um, uh, the the amazing stories that they've shared with me. Um, just, I'm, I'm sure not everyone here is gonna go and, and read my 300 page dissertation, which you're, you're welcome to, and I'd be happy to share with you, but no worries, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> but um, basically what I found out that was that the number one reason why they're not able to go to school and continue school is because they don't have a school uniform. I know it sounds crazy, but having no uniform is a reason where you're not allowed to stay. You're being kicked out of school, right? So that's unbelievable. But when I found this out, I was so mad because school uniform is not even a policy in Kenya or even in Kakuma, right? It's just a practice of teachers because it's so overcrowded in classroom, they're like out, right? They're just irritated by students. And I was so upset. So uh, first, I called all the head teachers, which is equivalent to principals in Kakuma, and made sure that this is not happening, but that wasn't enough, right? So I, um, on my birthday, um, this is what I do, Laura knows, um, I um, asked friends that I don't need any gifts, I don't need any cards, but if you can just, you know, like, feel free to share $8.00 which is like um, the cost of one uniform, right? For in Kakuma, $8.
And I just persuaded them. $8 is equivalent to a venti green tea frappuccino that you always take, right? So like, if you are willing, please share with me. So I was able to collect um, $6,000 in, in, in a few weeks. And uh, my church was willing to provide $3,000. So um, in total, um, I was able to uh, raise $9,000 which was able to give 800 school uniforms across 22 schools uh, in Kakuma. So these are some of the things that I'm like, what would God want me to do in this you know, state, right? I'm sure he sent me for a reason and I'm sure there's something, little thing that I can do. And of course my grandma, who's a very gracious grandma said, you should not be there when they are distributing uniforms because that's an old school. She said, that's an old school. That's not how you do it. That's not how you do philanthropy work. So I wasn't there, but uh, refugee tailors made all these 800 school uniforms and delivered those. I don't know what happened later, but uh, my research assistant came up to me one day uh, or called me when I already left Kakuma and said, I was reached uh, by one of the students in, in the school and said, can you go ahead and thank that Mzungu, which is a Kiswahili word for that white person who came and listened to our stories because through her support, I, I was now able, I'm now in school finally, right? So like, these are some of the things that I think God pleases. And um, besides you're taking your own self-interest and going and doing your own work and coming back, right? That constant, um, um, I don't know, thought process of what would Jesus do? Uh, another one is, I love this like phrase, restoring God-given identity as God's children or restoring human dignity uh, when God first made us, right? So if you walk around Kakuma, you won't be able to see a kid um, with any of her, any of their photos, right? Family photo, A, like technology-wise, they don't have the camera, but they don't have the luxury of taking pictures, right? So whenever I take pictures with them, they're always appreciating it. They look at it, but they're like, I, I really want to have my own picture too, right? So this is what I did. I forced my friends again to like donate money so that I can buy films, uh, portable uh, Polaroid camera. So this is what I did. I took pictures of all the children I met and then printed out their beautiful faces uh, so that they can have those for the rest of their life. They can have those um, with them and and remember both the sufferings, but also like the moments they cherished. I, I also wrote little notes of like, God loves you uh, no matter what, right? Look at these beautiful faces, right? So these are some of, um, sometimes these are only smiley faces, but you know, like, believe me, if you go to Africa and um, try to take a picture, they all look like this. <laughs> and I had to, I had to force them to smile because I just really wanted to, um, to, to, to just see them and, and in their brightest smile, right? So this was another project I did while I was in the field. One of my favorite projects, and this is the last one. Oh, I'm running out of time, but I'll, I'll just share um, in, in this note. Um, um, I also collected stories from Kakuma. And I get, just to give you a, a brief background of, of what why this happened, I was just hanging out with the girls. 
that's, you know, like, I love hanging out in, in the school. I think I'm, I'm short, you can't tell here, but I'm very short. And they think I'm their friends, right? So they're like, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> right? And when I'm already like 30 plus. Um, and I was like, yeah, I want to be a teacher. What do you want to be? And they would say, um, I want to be a writer. I was like, that's great. I want to be a storyteller. I was like, wow. But she, this is what uh, struck me the most. This is what the girl said. Um, she said, uh, but no one is interested in listening to my stories. Wow. I was like, what? Because everyone has gone through these experiences. They're tired. So no one is interested in each other's stories. So I was like, I am interested. And guess what? I was able to collect more than 800 stories from Kakuma. And what I did from that is that I created a website just to make sure that these girls become the authors of their own stories, right? I'd be happy to share with you the link, but it's called Stories Worth Sharing, right? So through these, um, I was able to also get some of the artists, young female artists of the girls' age, right? From um, elementary school to college students to listen to those stories and paint what you, you can imagine out of those stories. So these are just like beautiful paintings. And the whole purpose of this was that I just wanted to make sure that they know that there's someone around them who are interested in them. And there are a lot of questions uh, Lauren um, gave me, but one thing that I want you to get out of this is not my amazing work or not, you know, like these like statistics, but that what people need is not, um, I mean, they do need wealth, they do need money and support, right? But what they really cherish is your attention. Are you willing to listen to their stories? Are you willing to give, give a hand, right? Whenever there's need. So I would like to stop here because I've been going on and on and on, but yeah, thank you. Thanks, Jay. Um, I called Jay about an hour ago and I don't think this PowerPoint was made at that point. Maybe it was, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, thank you, Jay. That was like super, super beautiful. Um, yes, I just wanted to wrap up a little bit. Um, one thing we like to ask people in these interviews is, has your faith played a part? I mean, you shared a little bit, but um, maybe an encouragement um, for those who are Christians, but also maybe for those who don't yet follow Christ or um, maybe who are who are like, how can I respond to this? Um, can you share anything there? Yeah, I guess for, for Christians, for believers, I would like to encourage you, go look up in the Bible with this refugee migrant immigrant lens. There's so much in the Bible that where you can feel God's heart for these people, um, you know, from Exodus to, you know, like, and anywhere, you know, like I was just reading the book of Daniel yesterday, they were in exile, right? So what are some of the things that you can um, do for, as those people who are living, I, I'm sure not everyone's from New York here, right? Raise your hand if you're from New York, like from New York, no, right? We're all displaced. For some reason, someone's like, me, yes, maybe. <laughs> but we're all displaced in some way. Yeah, maybe it's not through war or anything, but we are exiles, right? Um, and so there is a verse that I really like in the book of the Bible that says, do not mistreat or oppress the foreigner for you were foreigners in Egypt, 
right? It's from the book of Exodus. So think about yourself and your background as a, a migrant or as a displaced population. What is the purpose of God placing me in New York? What, what, what can I do? And one verse that I always cherish is um, uh, the book of James chapter 127, religion that is pure and undefiled before God um, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to keep oneself unstrained from the world, right? So like, what is what does really God want from me? I think that is um, the answer. Uh, living in New York, there's so many homeless people. You don't even know, like, I was just looking up when um, this morning about the number of refugees um, and, and they say um, the daily total of like 50,000 almost refugees or, or um, forcibly displaced populations in New York and increasingly because, you know, I don't want to go into the details about the Texas and, and New York state being like, you know, like having that tug of war of who's taking refugees, but you will see more and more incoming uh, refugees in, in the city. So like, think about the purpose why God placed you in that specific city. It's a perfect time for you to be um, exercising uh, your uh, mercy ministry uh, in that um, stage. For, for non-believers who are exploring, I guess also, um, you know, like your the, the, the experiences that you're going through, um, struggles with identity and belonging, um, you know, how just all of these amazing sites and research, 300 pages and ongoing, started with one conversation, right? So what, um, I think what one of my slogan for my life is cherish every moment, right? So cherish that one conversation you're going to have. I know you're going to have a discussion um, session after this, but it can change your life because it did change my life, right? So uh, um, maybe after this, you, you should go and explore what are opportunities out there. I was just invited to be teaching Afghani refugees online, right? English. Does everyone speak English here? Yes, you speak English here, right? Even if you're not like fluent, it's okay because you know you are going to start with very basics. They are really desperate to be learning because they're recently resettled, right? So like, what are some of the uh, talents you've got? And maybe you don't even notice that speaking in English can be a talent to other people, right? So find that uh, worth in you and, and try to multiply it every day um, because that way uh, your life won't be dull anymore. And every day you will get up thinking like, there's something I have to do today. And that changes your life because yes, maybe we're getting old and <laughs> growing weary, but Lauren can can uh, attest to this that I am very energetic every day because I'm very excited what God has prepared for me or what what is out there in the world uh, for you to do. So I'm not in a position to give you a lot of advice, but pay attention to the people near you. Try to be more active in what you can do, but be a listener um, because that way that's the starting point of you uh, finding. That's how I found my career. Uh, and that's, I really um, hope that that's how you can find uh, the purpose in life.